<laughs> Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> ha! Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 20. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing three tales to terrify you. Courtesy of Corpse Child, about frightful families, horrific hairstyles, and rude reflections. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first spine-tingling story. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> I know you're thinking, Otis... Are you sure we're ready for more from this author? Surely it wasn't that long ago that we were graced with a story or two. Well, dear listeners, not to fret. For the horrors that we are experiencing from this first tale from Corpse Child are not those of voices from beyond, but of a very physical nature. But maybe horror is too harsh a word. After all, we're about to hear a loving family. You're sure they may be a little unconventional, but whose family doesn't have its quirks? We've all got a relative with that weird smell or talks too much or whose talons are just a little too long. Oh, wait. That last one is a bit unusual, isn't it? But in some cases, unusual is just in the eye of the beholder. Without further ado, I present to you, Anything for Mother. Mother is the name for God on the lips of hearts and children. Isn't that how the old saying goes? It was certainly the case for me growing up. Mother was my angel, my savior. Anytime I hear of the Virgin Mary... I have, and always will, picture Mother. She was my goddess, and I her devout disciple. Anything Mother requested or needed of me, I obeyed without question or hesitation. 
I feel it's the least I could have done, given how much she'd given just for me. By rights, Mother didn't have to give me nearly as much as she had. Hell, I wasn't technically hers. Whose child I was? Well, I don't think I or anyone else could ever tell you. It was all so long ago, and I was very little. My very first memory of Mother and of my family is very hazy, being so young at the time. But I do still remember certain details, such as the emotions I experienced that night. I remember it was cold, bitter, and I was wailing, afraid and alone, aimlessly wandering about here in the middle of the woods, feebly trying to find my way back out. How and why I was in the woods in the first place are questions that, again, I don't know that I will ever truly have an answer for. I just remember how I woke up one night as a toddler in the heart of the woods. I remember the very first glimpse I caught of Mother. Admittedly, I was, of course, terrified. I probably wouldn't even have known why at the time, but I guess even small children have some ingrained sense of danger about another living creature. She leered down at me, a predator to a wounded prey, with her small ruby-red eyes. She was tall, almost a quarter to half the size of some of the taller trees in the encompassing woods, with long, gangly arms and hands that reached down even past her tall thighs. Her face, as well as her body, seemed to blend in with the cover of the night, and so I couldn't see any defining features. I remember how I just stood there, quivering and looking up at her. I didn't know what to think. All I knew how to do at that age was to wander alone in these dark, cold woods, crying and lost. I'll also never forget those first words she ever spoke to me. Why do you cry? Her voice was soft, soothing, and tender, yet at the same time distorted, seeming to have an echo in Though still frightened, I remember feeling some of the apprehension melt away at her voice. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. She cocked her head to the side, still gazing down at me with her burning eyes. Her head then twitched like the legs of a cricket, even making a similar noise to a cricket, as she raised one of her hands just enough to touch my face. And naturally, I flinched at her touch at first. When I felt how soft and smooth her fingers felt against my face, however, I slowly relented. Why are you afraid, little cub? I don't know where I am. I'm all alone, and I'm hungry and cold. I want my mommy. As I started blubbering again, Mother's head snapped to the other side and twitched again like before. She spoke again, continuing to lovingly stroke my cheek. Cry no more, little one. You aren't alone here, and I won't let anything happen to you. She then moved her claw-like hand from my face up to the top of my head. Her eyes began to glow, and I felt a burning sensation that seemed to come from inside my head, 
forcing me to shut my eyes and shriek in pain. When I opened my eyes again, Mother was now kneeling down to meet my gaze with me, stroking my hair. I'm so sorry. Come with me, little one. No more will you be mistreated. I'll take care of you. I just stood there, a quivering, frightened whelp, looking at her with tear-soaked eyes. Suddenly, from her shadowed body, I saw four large, leathery-looking wings, like that of a bat, unravel from around her torso. Come, don't be afraid. That was when I felt her scoop me up and cradle me close to her chest. I tried to struggle, writhing like a fish gasping on a hook, but it was useless, held tightly in Mother's tight embrace. As quickly as I could blink, we were airborne. I beat and beat on her chest with all the might and vigor a three-year-old was capable of, pitifully crying and begging her to put me down. Eventually, I must have tired myself out and fallen asleep, thrashing and screaming the way I was, because the next thing I knew, Mother had descended in front of the mouth of a cave at the base of the mountain that overlooks the woods. Where am I? I squeaked, frantically throwing my head around to regain my bearings. Welcome home, my little cub, she warmly replied. I looked into the cave. It was as shrouded in darkness as Mother herself was, even somehow able to stand out from the rest of the pitch-black night, save for a single orange-looking speck deep within. She sat me down, and I stood, frozen, petrified, with legs that felt like gelatin. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I felt her begin to nudge me forward toward the cave. Go on, don't be afraid. I slowly and stiffly trudged forward. I remember hearing loud cackling, more deranged than even that of a hyena, echoing out of the cave from within. Eventually, I became swallowed by the darkness of the cave. I could hear the cackling grow closer and closer, some even approaching from my left and right. I'm home, my children, Mother announced from behind me. The cackling was now tight on top of me, and I wanted to turn around to run back out into the dark, foreboding woods. Mother's urging me forward would not permit this, however. And what have you fetched for supper tonight, Mother? 
the voice from directly in front of me questioned, sounding similar in tone and in cadence to Mother, although obviously a lot less comforting and much more vicious. Even Mother's urging couldn't push me forward anymore now. Back away, she commanded. To the fire, go, and we shall dine as a family. Sure enough, the deranged cackling grew distant, moving away from me and seeming to travel toward the orange glow at the other end of the cave. They're going to eat me. When I turned to run the other way, however, just as I feared, Mother deterred me from doing so. To the fire, little one. She cooed softly, continuing to nudge me forward. Eventually, she took me gently by my hand and led me toward the rather large-looking fire compared to the more claustrophobic surroundings of the cave. When we finally reached the fire, I could hear the sounds of scurrying, like a multitude of creatures simultaneously converging towards the fire, the clicking of nails or talons being echoed all throughout the cave. I began to see more tiny, red, beady eyes, similar to Mother's, pierced the darkness in front of me the closer they came to the fire. There were pairs of eyes from right in front of me, as well as one on my left and right. I couldn't run or hide, and I was now even in too much of a state of shock that I couldn't even cry in fear anymore. "'It's so small,' whispered the voice coming from my left. "'Come, my little cubs, gather round.' At her command, they finally came into the light. It's another thing I'll never forget about that night. The mix of confusion and sheer terror that flooded my entire body, freezing my blood solid the first time I saw them. The ones I would, in time, call my siblings. The one in front of me, as well as the one on the left, both had bright pink skin that stretched over their bones in long, gangly arms and equally slender legs. Wrapped around their pink, emaciated bodies, they, too, had dark, large wings. The one on my right was very much the same, except that I could tell this one was female because it's longer hair and breasts. The three of them squatted around the fire, looking me dead in the eyes, sizing me up. The one on my left slowly started to skulk toward me. I saw him open his mouth, splitting it unnaturally or at least unnaturally to any human understanding, in four different directions, bearing rows of slender, jagged teeth and distending wide enough that he probably would have had no problem devouring me whole. I could see him drooling, and his long, pointed tongue slowly unraveled from its grotesque maw, lapping out and weaving like it was a snake. Don't you touch him, Mother bellowed her voice echoing so hard that I swear I could have felt a cave shaking. The creature halted dead in its tracks, looking up behind me at Mother. It started backing away to the fire again, while I just sat there trembling and weeping. I thought my heart was finally just going to stop. I wouldn't be able to take much more. Everything was spiraling in my head in a hysterical frenzy. What is this place? Why am I here? 
What are these things? Where's my home, my mommy and daddy? I felt a hand on my shoulder, instantly breaking me from my frightened trance, and I turned back and shrieked, stumbling back at what I saw. It was Mother, in all of her full detail, no longer shrouded in darkness. She looked just like the other three, tight pink skin, large brown wings wrapped around her waist, and a gaping maw that would stretch and split in four directions. I saw her head twitch to the side as she just stood there, observing me with her glowing red eyes as I shakily curled into a fetal position. She then squatted down to me, reaching out a large, gangly hand to stroke my cheek. Don't cry, little one. You're safe now. Her voice was smooth again, tender and loving. Even still, I just stayed huddled in terror. She crawled closer and sat down beside me in front of the fire. They're hungry, Mother. The one on the left eagerly snapped. I watched as Mother then crawled away from the fire, disappearing again into the darkness, before re-emerging, now dragging the corpse of a fresh-killed deer in her right hand. I could hear the others titter with excitement. Patience, my children. Mother commanded tenderly. The first portion is for him, our newest little cub. The others then looked at me. He's so small, Mother, hissed the one to my right, the female of the litter. Where did you find him, Mother? The one on the other side of the fire in front of me asked. Mother didn't reply to either of them before she tore one of the legs, clean away from the deer, handing it to me. Go, little one. She cooed. You must eat. I stared back at Mother, unaware of what to do. I was confused and repulsed. I was hungry. But the idea of trying to eat a raw animal like that, at the time, sickened me out of any real appetite I might have had. Looking at the others around me, I could see their attention fixed on me, wondering, expecting for me to take the deer leg and begin feasting on it like they wanted to. Slowly, I reached up and took it with shaking hands. I could already smell the odor of death assaulting me as I took the leg. For another moment, I hesitated. I really didn't want to do it at first. My stomach began to growl, however, and I could hear the others tittering grow more excited. Part of my young mind at the time must have panicked, afraid of what they'd do to me if I didn't eat the deer leg. I thought they might indeed make me their meal after all, regardless of Mother's demands. Finally, I took a bite from it. Yet another part of that night I can't forget very first moment I ever tasted the raw flesh of another creature, something that would become a very prevalent part of my lifestyle as I grew through the years and up to the present. The meat of it was tough, extremely so, to a point where I could only even barely swallow a portion of it. I actually ended up choking on it, regurgitating most of it back up. I looked up to Mother, somewhat expecting her to be angry. Surprisingly, she just patted my head. Don't fret, my little club. One day, you'll be able to eat just like us. 
That's when she used her long, clawed hands to begin tearing up bite-sized chunks of meat from the deer leg. She reached out again with the small, meaty chunks in her palm. I, of course, didn't want to at first. The aching of my stomach from lack of food, however, caused my instincts to eclipse my reasoning, and I, albeit hesitantly, scooped up a handful from Mother's palm quickly stuffed them into my mouth. It was unpleasant, to say the least. They felt so slimy going down my throat, and I did end up gagging again, but I had managed to keep them down, most of them, this time. Mother patted my head softly before then splitting the rest of the deer to serve to the other three. I then watched on as they senselessly devoured the rest of the deer. That night ended with Mother huddling around me in front of the fire, cradling me to her chest. Rest well, my little cub, she softly whispered into my ear. I guess that's another thing about Mother. Somehow her voice, even back then, was always able to soothe me. Her voice always seemed to me to sound the way they say an angel's would. Or rather, like what you'd expect a loving mother to sound like to a small child. Like I've said before, any memory before that night, I'm completely without. In all respects, my life essentially began then and there in those woods, with the family, with mother. For the first time in my life, I was even given a name. The only one I've ever known. Cub. That was me, the little cub. The runt of the litter. Not able to do much on my own in the wild. In fact, fear alone of just about everything that made noise or even moved in the outside world made acclimating to this newfound lifestyle very difficult. Naturally, this would tend to drive a clear wedge between me and my siblings. Many times I remember how they'd tell me that one day they'd just leave me behind in the woods again so they could go back to living as they had before Mother found me. At least that's what Little Brother would suggest occasionally. Big Brother, bigger one with the foot-long curved talons on his hands, usually just whispered at night how he planned to help himself to my tender flesh when Mother wasn't around to stop him. I guess I was fortunate then that Mother wouldn't ever let me out of her sight when I was little. Of course, that may have been another reason. They disliked me so. Mother seemed to hold an even bigger fondness for me than the others. I never understood why, and I guess in some ways I still don't, but Mother always kept me closer to her than the rest. Even as I grew into adolescence, Mother always handled me with the softest manners. In spite of this, I was even able to, over time, forge a bond with my siblings. Or I did with sister and little brother, anyway. Big brother, I suppose, couldn't forgive that I'd seemed to have stolen mother's affections from, from him. I guess, though, it was because of him that I would learn one significant thing. What it was like and how it felt kill another living being for the first time. By this time, I was much older and bigger. 
I'd grown to stand at least five feet tall, able to meet eye level with little brother and at least chest level with big brother. It was at this time that mother would let the others take me out into the woods to hunt for food with them without being present herself. I was frightened at first, never before having learned how to hunt, much less kill another animal. But by now, the winter was approaching, and Mother had always grown weaker with the colder weather. That meant that we, the cubs, had to venture out to gather food. Before, though, being so small and defenseless, I always stayed in the cave with Mother while the others went out. But now I felt that the time was right for me to join them in gathering food for her. Mother was reluctant, and I could see Big Brother wasn't fond of the idea either. In the end, however, Mother ruled in my favor, and I was to accompany Big Brother in the woods. Trying as hard as I could, I just wasn't able to keep up with him. And, of course, he had no qualms with essentially abandoning me the first chance they could. And so there I was, deep in the heart of the woods again, alone, defenseless, and scared. This time, though, I knew I couldn't simply just hope that I'd be rescued by mother or anything else. No, I would have to finally learn how to fend for myself. For a while, I just stood there, listening, trying to get a bearing on my surroundings. That was how I learned how to focus my hearing and learn the different sounds of the world around me, the sounds of the wind bristling through the trees, the distinct sound of the different critters around me in the woods, which ones chirped and which ones would howl or squeak, which ones were fast when scurrying about, and which ones would take their time. Finally, I heard it, the sound of heavy footsteps approaching. They were approaching quickly, despite how heavy they sounded. Whatever it was, it was moving on two feet rather than four, unlike the deer that usually pass through these woods. Another thing that was different was the sounds it was making. It was a familiar sound. Too familiar. Hey, Orville, take a gander over here. I heard this coming from my right, and I quickly dove behind a nearby tree. Still concentrating, I could hear the heavy footsteps coming toward the spot I was standing in only a moment ago now joined by another set of footsteps, equally as heavy. I heard them again. What is it, Saul? What are you going on about now? Tell me you didn't see that rushing off there? See what? I don't really know, but I'm almost willing to bet I saw a boy dart off into the trees there. Where? I could hear them come closer, closer until I could hear them stop right where I was standing before. Right here. I heard one of them bark a laugh before saying, Saul, sometimes you make me wonder about all the trips to the bar you've been making lately. Damn it to hell, Rick. I know what I saw. It was a boy standing right here. Soon, though, I began to feel a breeze blast across my right side followed by a distinct flapping sound. I knew that sound. Big Brother? You hear that, Saul? 
heard the first one say again. What now? Shh, listen, heard him say. Hear that? A moment passed, and I could hear the flapping get closer, starting to fade with each inch it gained, as if, I guess, trying to silently now zero in on our location. That was when a head-splitting screech was heard, and I saw a big brother dart down from the sky, tackling and pinning one of them down. I could see him struggling underneath Big Brother, but to no avail. Big Brother began tearing and biting at the throat of his prey. That's when I heard a loud bang, followed by Big Brother screeching in pain. I saw him clutching his arm, and I could see a black stream running down his right wing. I heard it again, and again Big Brother cried out in pain. They're going to kill him. That was when I bounded out from behind the tree grabbed on to the one that Big Brother had attacked. Immediately, I bit into his throat and started gouging his eyes, just as I'd seen Big Brother do. I could feel him trying to pry me off, but he must have been weakened by either mine or Big Brother's assault, and it wasn't long before I felt him cease struggling and go limp. I heard another bang before a searing pain surged through my right arm. I looked up to see the other one holding his weapon in my direction. For a second, I just stared, frozen in fear, expecting him to use it again to finish me. But that was when something strange happened. The thing, the monster, then lowered his weapon, and I watched his eyes widen as if in shock. No, no, it it can't be, he mumbled. His guard's down, I thought. Now's my chance. I slowly crawled towards him. He stood motionless, mouth agape. Pen, he said finally. Penny, is that you? I kept crawling toward him, paying no attention to his words. I wasn't going to be swayed from my objective. I would kill him for what he had done to Big Brother. He then slung his weapon over his shoulder and said, Oh my God, Benny, sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. My little Benny, it's really you. He sounded elated, like he had just realized some great truth. I stopped when I saw him start towards me. I lowered myself to the ground, poised to pounce as soon as he was close enough. Go for the throat, just as I had the other one. And I wouldn't stop there. I'd rip and tear him inside out. My boy, I thought I lost you. That was when I sprang for the kill. In an instant, my teeth were sunk into his flesh, and I could taste his blood flowing into my mouth. It was exhilarating. He frantically tried prying me off of him, but it was useless. I had him, and he wasn't getting away. I was doing it. I was finally killing my own prey, just like the family, just like mother. His flailing became weaker and weaker. I released my jaws from his throat, and stood over him triumphant, watching as his body convulsed until finally relaxing. As the life left his eyes, he opened his mouth and made a series of gurgling, croaking noises. I noticed, though, that he seemed to be trying to speak. Benny! I heard him choke out. I'm sorry, son. 
With this, his eyes closed and he was lifeless. I stood frozen. Adrenaline was still surging through me. I did it. I did it. I killed my first prey. My heart was racing and I began beating my chest, howling to the sky. I was grown now. I was now a hunter. I was no longer just the little cub. I was an alpha. Then I looked at the face. I wasn't sure why, but something struck me about this face. Something was almost, almost familiar about it. It looked a lot like me. I knelt down and observed him more closely. His jaw was pointed, his face gaunt. I felt my own face to find that my own face matched these features. What is this? I wondered. I ran over to the nearby stream and looked into the river. That's when the adrenaline left me, and I was horrified by what I saw. It was him. I saw the younger face of my prey staring up at me from the lake. I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. It had to be some trick. Why did this man look like me, or I look like him? What was he? He was a monster. He heard Big Brother, my family. Why did I have the same face as him? I ruffled the water and began clawing at my face. This isn't real. This isn't real. I'm not him. I'm nothing like him. Deep down, down in the deepest part of my heart, though, I knew the truth. His dying whisper started repeating in my head. I'm sorry, son. Overcome with rage, I started howling at the sky while pounding the ground with my fists. I took up nearby stones and hurled them in every direction, not caring what they'd hit. I was lost mentally and emotionally, and I had no control over my behaviors. Eventually, I collapsed to the ground, exhausted. I was weak and tired. Just as I was losing consciousness, I heard in the distance the sound of large flapping wings. From above, I could see the silhouette of Mother as she descended. I finally fell unconscious when I felt Mother lift me from the ground, cradling me, just as she had done all those years ago, when I was still so small, weak, and fragile. It was night when I woke again. Sister and little brother were huddled around the fire, mother in the middle with her back facing me. My body still felt so exhausted, and I was slow to move again. Mother, I murmured softly. I saw sister and little brother snap to look at me. Mother didn't move. I weakly began crawling my way over to them. Approaching the fire, I noticed that the faces of the two others were downcast, somber. They looked at me, and Sister asked, What happened? Reaching the fire, I felt my heart fall from my chest. It was Big Brother. He lay in front of Mother, motionless. I scurried over and began shaking him, crying out, Big Brother! Big Brother, wake up! I felt Mother's hand rest on my shoulder, pulling me away. 
I stayed firm, feebly shaking the body of Big Brother until she forcefully pulled me away from him. He's gone, little one. I crumpled on the floor of the cave and began crying. Every bit of the vigor, the confidence, the triumph I had earlier had now all but abandoned me. I was now just crying whelp I was all that time ago when Mother found me. Big Brother was dead, and it was all my fault. I was weak like I had always been. If I was strong like my family was, I could have saved him. But I wasn't like them. I was like the ones that killed him. It's all my fault, I bawled looking at Mother. She was silent, continuing to stare at the fire. I just laid there crying. I didn't know what else to do. I wanted Mother to say something, anything. I wanted her to either absolve me or condemn me, to either show her love or her wrath. Instead, she did none of that. Instead, she sat silent. In some way, I knew what this meant. She hated me. I was responsible for the death of her firstborn, and she would never forgive me. I cried until I eventually fell asleep again. It wasn't long, though, that I was awakened again by the sounds of shuffling coming towards me. I slowly stirred awake to find sister and little brother coming towards me, crawling low to the ground the way I saw them do when they were set to pounce. Sister, little brother, what's going on? He's awake, sister whispered. Little brother then bounded towards me, his talons outstretched, ready to tear me apart. With quicker reflexes than I ever thought possible, I rolled out of the way and stood up. Sister spread her wings and attempted to glide towards me, catching my face and knocking me over with a vicious swipe of her talons. She circled around and landed, leering over me. What are you doing? What big brother would have wanted us to do. It's because of you, cub, that he's dead. Little brother hissed before pouncing on top of me. He immediately started slashing at me, opening wide gashes in my chest. I shrieked with pain as he sent one of his claws across my eye. I was able to hurl him off of me and send him crashing into the wall of the cave. I was about to try and run, but sister was too quick. In seconds, she had me pinned down again. She sent a hard stomp onto my shoulder, immediately breaking it. She did the same to my other arm, proclaiming, We should have listened to Big Brother. We should have eaten you when Mother first brought you here. With my one good eye, I watched sister raise up and unhinge her jaws when all of a sudden... She was swept off from the top of me by something huge. Looking up, I saw that it was Mother. She had sister and little brother held down to the wall of the cave. I used the opportunity to run, bolting straight to the mouth of the cave. I ran and ran, not at all knowing where I was going or even where I wanted to go. At some point, I twisted my ankle and I fell. My lungs were starved of air, and I was aching all over. 
My body felt broken, both from the injuries of the struggle as well as from sheer exhaustion. Because of this, I couldn't move. I just lay on my back, staring up at the night sky and the trees above me. I remember how cold it was, and I began to wonder if that would be it for me, that I was going to freeze to death there on the forest floor alone, weak, without anyone, without mother. As exhausted as I was, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. I stared at the sky all night and into the next dawn. I picked myself up again when the sun was finally high enough for its light to break the top of the tree line. Not knowing where to go, I began wandering through the woods. This went on for hours. How many, I, I couldn't tell you. And I can't tell you what time of day it was either when I finally had stopped. What I can tell you is that it was when I heard sounds familiar to the ones that I'd heard the previous day that I quickly dove for a nearby tree. Looking out, there were four of them, tall, broad-shouldered figures that were covered in blue and spoke into their shoulders. Two of them, I saw, had what appeared to be dogs, like those Big Brother and the others would occasionally bring to the cave for supper. These, however, were much bigger and looked far more vicious. I started to panic when I saw one of them turn and begin to bark in my direction, alerting the others. I watched them move closer to me. I stood frozen, not knowing whether to run or to try and fight. In the end, I was forced to act when the barking dog bounded to the tree and pounced on me. I tried to run, but I was no match for its speed. Upon catching up to me, I cried out in pain when I felt its teeth sink into my leg, causing me to fall face first to the ground. For a moment, I struggled with the dog, trying to hold its jaws away from my face, when I suddenly heard that all-too-familiar flapping of wings. From ahead, I heard one of the figures in blue cry out, What the hell? I watched his mother dove down, snatching the dog off me, before sending it hurling toward the figures. The other one attempted to leap at Mother to attack, only to be batted away like his companion. That was when one of the figures pointed a weapon similar to the one that killed Big Brother, only this one appeared smaller. Bang! 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 They were deafening, and I had to cover my ears. When I looked at Mother, she was unharmed, and was gliding through the air, swiping her attacker off the ground by his throat. I heard two more deafening bursts, and I watched Mother drop her prey and fall to the ground. Mother! I screamed, running over to her. Before I could make it all the way to her, I felt large, rough hands seize my arms. My struggling was pitiful. The grip was strong, like the dog's jaws. I felt them forcing me away while I flailed against them. Let me go! Mother wasn't moving. I could see a dark black pool forming around her. Mother! Let me go! Mother! They paid no attention. And I was finally silenced when I felt something strike me in the face. Instantly, everything went dark. I remembered dreaming. I was back in the cave, fire lit. And gathered around me were Mother, me, 
and the others. They were looking at me, concentrating their judgment on me. You've grown, little cub, Mother said. You've grown and you've learned. Learned how to kill. I'm proud of you, little one. You are strong, even if you don't see it yet. How? I cried. How am I strong? I couldn't save you. You're dead and it's all my fault. I'm just like them. You are nothing like them. You, little cub, have strength you don't know of. You showed this when you killed the one that hurt Big Brother. You chose to avenge your family, and you'll do it again. What do you mean? You'll learn how to hunt. You'll become an apex predator. Become the hunter I raised you to be like your siblings. That was where the dream ended. I woke again in a dark gray room, similar to the cave. This, however, wasn't lit by a fire. Instead, long, bright lights lit the area around me. In front of me was a table with a dark window behind it and a large door to the left. Suddenly, the door opened and one of the figures, this one covered in white and wearing something reflective over his eyes. I wanted to leap forward to attack, but I found myself to be strapped to where I was. Easy there, I heard him say. I'm not here to hurt you. My name's Dr. Carter, and I'd like to help you. I was silent. He laid some papers down on the table in front of me. Can you tell me your name? I just sat, glaring at him, wanting only to rip him apart. He looked friendly, warm, and welcoming. I wasn't fooled, though. I wasn't fooled by this or by his claim that he wanted to help me. How could he want to help me? He's one of them. These were the ones that killed Mother and Big Brother. Can you tell me your name, he repeated. Cub, I spat harshly, my voice dripping with venom. I am Mother's little cub. I see. But what's the name you were born with? I am Mother's little cub, I repeated. He tried to ask me again what my real name was, to which I continued to give the same answer tried to ask me questions about mother and the family. I didn't answer. I felt he deserved no answer. He's one of them. He's a man. I am not. I am mother's little cub. It is these words that I've held on to now. These are the words I've lived by for the past few years now that I'd spent in this place, this prison, far from the cave, from where I had always called home. It's these words that have kept me strong, and it is her words that I'm not of them, that I am, and will always be her little cub, that keeps me from falling for the lies they tried to feed me, such as that my name was Benjamin, and that I was abandoned by my real mother long ago, and that mother wasn't real. They're liars. They are men. I am not. I am mother's little cub. It was here that I would continue to grow into an adult. As I grew, I would learn more and more of their ways, the ways of men. They taught me to read, write, and how to communicate the way they do. Furthermore, the more I grew up, 
the more I would grow to detest myself when I looked into a mirror, seeing the all-too-haunting image of Big Brother's killer facing me, the one who called me son. It was one of them. It was a man. I am not. I am mother's little cub. At night, I still see her. She tells me how proud she is of me, how much of a predator I've become. You've learned their ways, little cub, she tells me. You've earned their trust. Now, use it against them. Use their knowledge against them, the way we use the knowledge of the forest animals to hunt. I'm proud of you, little cub. I was always proud of you. Now, make me proud again. Those were the words that drove me when I finally escaped. I remember everything, the way I ever so quietly left the room they confined me to, skulked down the dark halls. I remember how peaceful he, this man, Dr. Carter, looked as he sat at his desk, not suspecting in the least of my presence behind him. I remember how exhilarating it was as I crept closer to him, lowering myself to the ground, ready to strike. I was in the woods again. I was hunting, just like my family did. I was the alpha predator, and he was my prey. I remember the way his eyes looked when I sprang upon him, sinking my teeth into his throat. He was frozen with fright. I remember the ecstasy I felt when the life left his eyes, the same as when I watched the life leave the eyes of the man in the woods. Through it all, no attention was alerted to anyone else. He died silently, agonizingly gasping for breath. After this, I was able to slip just as quietly through the main hall to find my way out back into the outside world. From there, I spent many days and nights Roaming until I finally found the woods again, where I remain now. I tell you this as a warning to you all, after having claimed another prey only last night. Two young boys had decided to enter these woods with their guns, just like the men that took mother and my family from me. I may look like you, sound like you, have learned your ways, but I am not one of you something more. I am an alpha, an apex predator, and I have no compassion for men. I am, always was, and always will be, mother's little cub. And even in her death, I will do anything for mother. I hope you enjoyed Anything for Mother by Corpse Child, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash corpse-child. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash c-o-r-p-s-e dash C-H-I-L-D. You'll find more ways to enjoy on his Reddit page, 
where the stories keep unfolding, much like a certain pair of wings, if I say so myself. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Krebs Child a kind word and let him know that you heard about him here on this show and that Otis Jarry sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. And leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Jiry. Until next week, then, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program, 
and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Ha <laughs> ha